Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. This week's episode is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Uh, you can find more information at smilesoftware.com slash Brett. My guest this week is Aaron Dowd, podcast editor, producer, uh, YouTube personality, screencaster, writer, <laughs> online instructor, or soon to be. How's it going, Aaron? It's great. The only thing I take objection to there is YouTube personality. I, I'm not one of those. Yeah, okay, it does sound um, like you're trying to be viral. <laughs> you 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 produce YouTube videos. I do. I do. And you did one on uh, gain uh, input gain. Input gain. And it was a a whole pot a whole YouTube video dedicated to getting your gain right before you get down to mixing. Which yeah. I, I was very appreciative of and learned from. It helped you? Yeah. That's exciting, man. Uh, first, I got to say thank you for letting me come on the show. I've, I've been a fan for a long time, ever since I heard um, Merlin Mann talking about you. Well, I don't even know how many years ago it was. It was you were this mysterious th- guy in the background. And then eventually you started a podcast and then it, everything was awesome. But, uh, that you know, <laughs> th- back to writing and, and podcast producing... One of my favorite things to do is help people make great podcasts because they really they really changed my life in my early twenties. Uh, so I'm I'm just I'm happy to to write tutorials and blog posts and screencasts and videos to to help people make great shows. So I had this discussion down as our last topic before the top three picks, but I kind of feel like it's a natural progression right now. Oh, okay. So you you are known uh, by choice as the podcast dude. Yep. And uh and that is your podcast about podcasting, which is a an intriguing uh it, it, phrase. Everyone kind of <laughs> chuckles, everyone kind of chuckles, and I know I get it too. It's like, oh, it's, it's so meta. <laughs> yeah. But it's but it's true. I don't know that it's meta in so as much as it is just um it could go either way. It could be useful, could be or it could be meta, which would be less useful. But yours is useful, mm-hmm. and you actually you you have a deep appreciation for podcasts and a desire to help make them help people make them better. And I yeah. think that's a, a noble calling in a in a world that is rapidly becoming overrun with mediocre podcasts. Yeah, I like well, to think there's... this one's a little above mediocre, so <laughs> I can say that with some air of dignity, but. Well, one of the one of the it's a lot of times it comes down to personality and the and the person doing the show because almost any podcaster, I, I think the best ones are ones where people like you talk about things that they're passionate about or things that they care about or problems that they're ha- having or they share stories that are interesting to them. And those are the kind of shows I really, really like. And I do help. I do love helping people make great shows. Um, I, I got into all of it actually because I actually wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a professional drummer in my when I started getting into my late teens and early twenties, and I, I didn't know how to make money with that. Uh, so I was just working some crappy jobs, and I was I, I figured like I could teach myself how to do something from a laptop, a job on a laptop, so I could make money on tour. Uh, one of the things one of the things that first came up when I started trying to figure this out was web design and graphic design. So I got into that and I was listening to a lot of podcasts to learn stuff about, you know, uh, you mentioned this earlier, the nerd bubble. Yeah. So, so it was just really cool to hear people like Merlin Mann and, and, and Dan Benjamin and, and yourself eventually talking about the tools that you use and how you're more productive and, 
and all this stuff. And we'll actually talk more about uh, later about we're going to talk about focus. And um, I think both you and, and I and Merlin Mann suffer from uh, ADHD. Yeah. Is that fair to say? <laughs> I have actually uh, clinically proven it. You have. I have not. <laughs> not yet. But but every time you talk about yours, I laugh because it's it's I, I feel uh, some kind of weird kinship. And, I've, and I've, I've learned a lot from from both of you guys that stuff that's really, really helped me feel better and and improve my own uh, lack of focus and all the problems that go along with that. But but anyways, back to to the story, I was. So I was also learning audio engineering because I wanted to record the bands I was playing in very DIY punk style because nobody I knew had enough money to afford a good studio. And I knew that there was relatively affordable audio equipment and it was getting better all the time. You could buy an audio interface for 200 bucks, a couple of microphones and make a record. So I started teaching myself that stuff just using podcasts that I was listening to, YouTube videos, blog posts and things like that. Well, there was a show I was listening to called The Shop Talk Show which is a show uh, Chris Coyer and Dave Rupert do about web development. And I was I loved the show, but they had a they weren't really doing too much editing and the sound quality wasn't super great. So I just reached out to, out to them and I said, "Hey, can I help you guys edit this because I've got a little bit of experience with audio programs. I had Logic at that time." And they said, "Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, we'll give you some money. You edit the show, that'll be great." And I was like, "Wow." So I turned it into a business. And uh, 3 years, 3 or 4 years later, that now it's my full-time job and, and I love it. And I invest a lot of my time in listening to what people are struggling with when it comes to making a podcast and then just trying to help them, trying to explain uh, and create tutorials and, and just walk them through step-by-step step all the different steps because it's a lot of work. So when you edit a podcast for someone and you find it um, dull, do you, <laughs> do you point out to them? Oh, that's a tr- that's a tricky subject because sometimes. I, okay, here's why I ask. I feel like it's in your personality to immediately want to improve something you don't think is all it could be, but at the same time, I feel like you take a very professional approach. You've edited some of my podcasts, and, I did, and you you take a very professional, like hands off approach in general. So I'm just wondering how, if you draw the line there. What, what, I, what I try to do is, I, so I learned a long time ago that if someone's not open to feedback, um, yelling at them or telling them they're dumb or they're doing something wrong doesn't ever Well, that's do not really feedback. That's just berating somebody. Uh, <laughs> well, well, no, but, let, but let's say, but let's say um, you don't, let's pretend that we don't know each other. We never met. And I listened to your show and I, and I, and I email you and I'm just like, hey, you know, you do things this way. I don't think that's the best way to do it. Uh, you should change, and here's here's a better way to do it. Like, how would you react to that? Uh, that would be not good. Um, but <laughs> that's because that's just bad form for constructive criticism. First, you have to Very point true. out what's good. And then ah. say, but here's one area that I think could improve. Because then you've opened the conversation as an actual feedback and not just a criticism. Gotcha. And that, that does make sense. So, so the way I always try to <laughs> see, we're both uh, <laughs> the way I always try to approach it is if, if it's someone I have some kind of relationship with, if it's someone I know and I, I really, I can see that they're trying and they're, they want to get better and they're just not quite there. Then I'm, I'll reach out to them and say, Hey, I really like what you're doing. And this is great. Like you said, but, um, 
you know, this microphone, you're recording too hot. You got to turn the input gain down a little bit. You need to get a pop filter. Uh, you need to start recording your guests, lo- start having them record local files and send them to you rather than just using the Skype recording because you're getting a lot of drops and distortion and all that stuff. So I, I, I do try to help the people I work with. and But a lot of the times, if I hear a problem, I'll just write about it. I'll write a tutorial about it. Or if someone comes to me and says, hey, this isn't working out, what am I doing wrong? I, I answer their question, but then I also turn that into some content. And that I have the same approach. I feel like solving a problem, A, it's because I forget. But B, it's because I feel like the time I invested in solving a problem is way more valuable if it solves other everyone people's can, problems too. Yes, if everyone can benefit. Yeah, and that's never been like something I've written down as a mission statement, but from the day I started blogging, back mm-hmm. with the Circle 6 blog, which was mid-2000s, I immediately, wow. immediately recognized that I wanted everything I figured out. Even if it was dumb and everyone probably already knew it, I wanted to put it out there. And that yeah. that was immediately successful. Uh, people like having problem solved with a simple Google. And if you're there on Google, you get traffic and then you can start making money. It took me six years to start making money on blogging, but. Well, how did, well, now I got to ask you, how did you do it originally? So you're, so you're putting out content, blog posts. Um, and what was the next step? Um, to making money. Yeah. Uh, getting enough traffic that people would want to sponsor or that if I ran any ads, like sidebar ads that there'd be enough mm-hmm. traffic to actually get a a click through payment on that and I've never overdone that I have one ad I've never run more than one ad on the site and I'll have weekly sponsors uh and sponsors won't sign up if you if you can't make Don't it worth the their while yeah um, it's true so yeah but, but at some point you also switched to products right I well or will not switch but also started making products. I guess my initial recognition came from an app I wrote shortly after switching to the Mac in 2000. Um mm-hmm. and that uh that was uh, Mood Blast. I've talked about that before, but in the era I've I've actually never heard of that. <laughs> okay, so to summarize, this was yeah. this was in the era when there were a hundred different microblogging services and Twitter hadn't risen to the top yet. Uh, so everyone yeah. was trying to decide if they wanted to use Jaiku or Twitter or Facebook or MySpace. And um, so Mood Blast would basically let you type something once and would put it on all of them. <laughs> oh, that's, see, that's a useful, that's a useful tool. And it got nerdier from there, but that started getting <laughs> recognition. That led to everything I do today because I found that the Mac community was very responsive to independent developers in the way that my prior experiences with Linux and Windows hadn't hadn't been. It was a much nicer place to be. And mm-hmm. uh, and so as I built a name slowly with that stuff, uh, everything else just kind of happened. Job opportunities opened up because of that, uh, those in, in ways. So. Yeah. And then, and then I think if, if I could, uh, if I could pinpoint the, the time that I became associated with you uh, or um, uh, familiar with you, it was, I want to say right around 2009 or 2010, Merlin Mann was talking about, maybe it was the Markdown service tools that you, were those out back then? I don't remember. Markdown or maybe it was NVAlt and all that stuff. But then, yeah, there was just, there was a ton of stuff on your website. 
And it just seems that you were very, very deep inside of the Oh, you know what it was? The weeds. I know exactly what it was. It was the mm. TextMate, TextMate blogging bundle, the Blogsmith bundle. Mm. That, was, that was how I met Merlin as well. Uh, and that was what he talked about for quite some time before I stopped developing it. That one was, yeah. it was, have you ever used SearchLink? I, I actually, I ended up using that for a lot of the show notes that I wrote for the, the podcast I was working for. So it was, that was part, originally part of the Blogsmith bundle. And, mm. uh, and then add to that, like you could type a currency symbol and then a, uh, you know, decimal number and it would do conversions for you right in TextMate. And, um, and then it had it's a ton so of, nerdy. <laughs> oh yeah. It, I mean, using TextMate to blog is nerdy to begin with. And that's true. This, it, it, you could on a line that began with, uh, keywords colon, if you hit tab, it would search your WordPress blog for all tags used and mm. then let you add tags from a pop-up menu. And mm. it would analyze your text that you'd already written to suggest key, uh, keywords and tags. Stuff like that, and and yes. that was kind of it's super nerdy. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I you could hear it in the way that that Merlin talked about you. It was he had a lot of respect for for you, and so that naturally that just I think made me and a lot of other people curious, like who's this Brett guy? I, I do attribute a lot of my initial following to Merlin Mann and David Chartier from the unofficial Apple Web blog. Mm, in yeah. fact, pretty much all of it between those two all of it <laughs> that's you you don't break into any kind of recognition even minimal recognition without a hand up which has yeah. also become part of my philosophy and i swear to god i'll stop talking about myself after this uh, um, dude, it's totally my <laughs> but part of my philosophy aside from just sharing every solution has been to give everyone who deserves it a hand up and yeah. i write about independent apps not major apps because when I see a developer who's just released something and maybe didn't get, if you don't get press coverage on a new app, it disappears. It falls to the mm-hmm. bottom of app store rankings and no one ever buys it. But if you get press, bam, you can, you can sit in the top 20 for a long time. So I've always felt an obligation to do that where it's deserved. And I mean, people like Gruber and Merlin, they, they make and break developers and apps and and writers just by saying you know their their seal of approval goes a long way to giving someone the initial recognition they need to keep doing what they're doing yeah but but to me it's it's really interesting and and telling i think that you started with the philosophy of sharing everything that you you learned all the problems that you were solving um and then actually putting in the work because if you hadn't have put out the work and put out those solutions there would have been no reason for anyone to, right. to link well, to you. Well, you have to, to earn recognition. You. Yeah, you yeah, have to yeah. pay your I dues. Think, I think a lot of a lot. I think a lot of people forget that. It, it just um, you know. It's well, a we long live struggle, in we though. live in the era of viral videos, YouTube personalities. Uh, yeah, everyone thinks you get famous <laughs> overnight, and all maybe gotta, all you got to do is yeah. Maybe in some sectors of the world you do, but in the tech sector, people are a little more discerning, and uh, and in the scientific and academic sectors people are discerning you have to have uh, a background before anyone will listen yeah it's true i i i um hmm. so so i think we're aligned on the idea of sharing solutions to the problems that we come across and you do it with uh with text editors and 
other things related to the web and blogging and all that stuff and so many other things. And I do it in the, the world of podcasting. So. so let's talk about why podcast means so much to you. First, are you, uh, an, are you an audio learner? I believe I am, yeah. I'm not. I read, a, I read a ton. I read a ton too, but I don't. I really only learn by doing, which makes me a little bit handicapped in these areas. But mm-hmm. uh, what about podcasts makes them uh, so... It sounds to me like you learn more from listening to podcasts than you do from taking like online tutorials on things. Is that fair? For for some things, podcasts are are really fantastic for for certain things, and I think for me they were they were a window or a door into a world that I previously had no idea existed. You know, there was there's always been the internet, but when I was you know, when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, my world was pretty small. I lived in a small town about 30 minutes west of Fort Worth, Texas. And it was, you know, it was a small college town. And there just wasn't like when I, when I, 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 I didn't have any idea about working remotely. Like I didn't really even know that it was, it was a thing that you could do to do some work on your computer and then someone would pay it, like pay you for it. <laughs> That that concept, that concept didn't even really hit me until until I like I typed in jobs you can do from a laptop, and then it was listening to so listening to all these different podcasts, and it was a it was a slow journey at first, but eventually I found some some marketing podcasts and then like just some general business, and and some were pretty good, some were pretty bad, but it just exposed me to all these different things, and and really just. It's it's always it always comes back to ideas, people sharing ideas and lessons. They can they those things can really change the trajectory of someone's life, and they definitely they definitely change the tra- trajectory of my life. Do you think it's partly because it's a serial format where the conversation's not done when it's over? I think that's part of it, and and that was one of the one of the hugest things. I just I just remember always feeling a little bit isolated, um, especially in my early twenties, because I had some musician friends and some people I knew from work and stuff, but, but I was really getting into like trying to learn graphic and web design and trying to, trying to be someone who either worked for clients or worked at a small business. And I didn't know anybody that was as like interested in Mac computers as I was. (laughs) Most of, most of the people I knew weren't even really that interested in computers. It was like, yeah, you know, you can, you can check your email and like play some games and stuff, but there wasn't this deep appreciation for the power that they, they give you until I discovered like back to work and then some other shows like that. It was all of a sudden it was like, it was like these people that I wish I could be friends with in real life talking about all the stuff that was really interesting to me and, and stuff I was learning a lot about. And that, that like yeah the conversation just kept going and i kept learning more and more things and yeah it, i just i just loved it that makes me curious because uh, how old are you uh just turned 31 last week okay so you're old enough to remember life before the internet well barely <laughs> it it when gopher became accessible to me uh, i don't know if you remember gopher but it was uh I... text based it was like a miniature internet that ran between universities and you could log in and use the command line to navigate through thousands of articles and 
the anarchist cookbook was on there oh man medical journals (laughs) and it was just a font of information but also had a personal touch people could you know add things and Mm -hmm. i be this is before the web and i began to immediately feel like i wasn't the only person in my town who liked what i liked and well and uh, can i can i take a quick oh please second to ask you a question um did you, were, so for me, my personal struggle in school was, I, so I know I have a passion for learning. I love learning things, cannot get enough of it. But I'm also easily distracted as, you know, I don't know if we talked about that yet or we will a little bit in the future. Um, and I also don't like people telling me what I should learn. I'm very much a, like a self-driven. I, there are these topics I'm interested in and I can dive in if it's something that interests me. Did you, uh, was, were you similar in that way? What were your grades like? Uh, very average. I mean, if I applied myself, I could get good grades, but otherwise it's just like C because I don't care about most of the stuff. I can pass these tests without much effort. Then yes, we had the exact same school experience. I (laughs) can only learn things I want to learn. There's no, um, I, I never did homework in school because I couldn't, not because I rebelled against the idea. I would sit down, I would open a book, not care, and be unable to read a single page, be unable mm-hmm. to fill out a single worksheet. And I could pass the test. It was, it was easy. Even if, even if I hadn't paid attention the whole semester, there was enough like information absorbed subconsciously, mm-hmm. I could pass any test. I can't remember failing a single test uh, without ever doing homework. So I would get C's because my homework was horrible, but my tests were passed. And... So yeah, it's I didn't know at the time why everyone else was able to, you know, work their butts off and get an A. But yeah. I mean there are classes like chemistry that I only passed because of like girls that helped me. <laughs> but so but so to all this to say that whenever whenever Gopher came around, then all of a sudden it was like you had access to all these really really interesting things and did you have the freedom to go explore those things? I had the, f- the freedom to research what I was curious about at any given time. And to, How did that play into your future? I don't know if I would... Well, clearly the things I do require the internet. But mm-hmm. I can't imagine what my career would be if I didn't find that connection. And I moved into some big cities. I found like-minded people. I still without the kind of worldwide <laughs> web <laughs> of people what that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, of, of like-minded people to encourage and offer feedback and and share ideas i would have always felt um like something I- was wrong isolated? with me yeah yeah like i didn't yeah. belong where i was and i kind of made my first remote work position happened because I found an eight hour day in an office was absolutely non-productive for me. And I found myself Mm -hmm. thinking I could do all this in two hours from home (laughs) and automate half of that. So I asked my boss, you know, would it be all right if like three days a week, I just (laughs) phoned it in literally. And they said, yeah. And at that point I had two other people in my department had quit. I had absorbed their workload and some of their salaries and I was basically, they couldn't do what they did without me. I had become overly integral. Um, hmm. So, yeah, they gave me the leeway. And from that point on, I haven't had an office job since. 
But my goal has always been to make myself replaceable. Not to the point where they just like say, well, we don't need you. But when the time comes that you're ready to leave, you don't feel like, oh, no, I'm going to ruin the company if I go. I never want to be in that position again. A quick second to thank Smile and Text Expander for sponsoring Systematic this week. Text Expander is simply indispensable. You should check it out. Imagine never typing the same email address, chunk of code, brand message, directions, or data of any kind more than once. You just store them in snippets, attach a shortcut that you create, and then trigger them with just a few keystrokes. Uh, there are pop-up fill-in snippets that you can use to create dynamic responses. Uh, just type your keystroke, it pops up a dialogue, you enter the variable, the things that could change, and boom, done. Share groups of snippets with others. You can expand your common knowledge and keep everything current together. Text Expander includes apps for Mac, iPhone, iPad, and Windows, which is currently in beta. Uh, you'll have all of your snippets on all of your devices all of the time. So boost your productivity and learn more at smilesoftware.com brett. Okay, so my next question on this topic for you mm -hmm. is what makes a podcast good? For me, I think I think it's a combination of things. I care intensely about audio quality, but I also acknowledge that without good content and a, and a purpose and, and direction, then a content you know the 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 content is king. That is true, but there are also a lot of ways that you can really ruin a podcast with really terrible audio quality. Yes. So, one thing that I think most people, a lot of people, get wrong is not knowing who they're creating the podcast for or not knowing their audience. And then also, and then next after that, it's not understanding the recording process, not understanding, you know, how to get decent sound, but then also planning is a big part of it too. And it's something that gets easier over time as you start to find your voice. You know, once, once you're writing more and you're talking about a subject and it's something you're really, really passionate about, it's, it's easier to talk about. But at the beginning, if, if you're relatively new to something, but you start a podcast about it, it can be pretty rough. Um, and I don't think it does any permanent damage. I think everyone has to go through the, the learning process. You know, the first, the very first podcast I was ever a part of, some guys I met from app.net. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. It was just like a couple of guys talking about what was going on in tech news. And that's, <laughs> that's been done, man. Um, Way too much. Way too much, and we we weren't particularly. We didn't have any good insights. We weren't unique in any way. We didn't have any kind of angle, but it was a learning process. And, and if I hadn't have done that, if I hadn't have had to edit the show because I was the only one with a you know audio editing experience at that point, then I wouldn't be where I was today. So, what makes a podcast good? I I think it is a mixture of caring about what your audience is interested in, but then also sharing what you're really interested in. So ignoring whatever you would say your favorite podcast is, what is the best podcast you've heard? Are we talking not, about... Not episode, but podcast. <laughs> okay, okay. Because I do, I do have a favorite episode that I always talk about. But the best, the best podcast I've... My, not my favorite, but the best podcast... Yeah. I, 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 it always comes back what's, to my... What's my, the one you appreciated from all angles, even if it didn't become the one that, that touched you the most? Uh, I would definitely say the Sean West podcast, my friend Sean McCabe. 
Oh, you mean the one you work for? The one I do work for, yeah. But but you uh. have to understand that that this, and and okay, here's another qualifier. I helped him start this podcast back in 2013. I was actually the co-host for the first something like 20 episodes. But 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 it was that's been one of the pivotal like one of those like um what do they call it? Life-changing experiences like a, a 180 where I saw his work ethic and I saw the attention that he put in into it, the attention to quality and detail that he has. And I realized, actually, I was listening to a, the Tim Ferriss podcast last night. He was talking to Tony Robbins. And um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any strong feelings for either Tim or Tony, except I have respect for them. They, they're obvious, they care about what they do, obviously. But Tony said something that actually really, really caught my attention. It was something like, we are we tend to be attracted to to the people that have qualities that we wish we had and and also annoyed by people who have qualities that we have and don't like uh possi- possibly <laughs> no that's absolutely true is it true when you're really annoyed with someone else it's very likely you're seeing something about yourself in them uh interesting try it next time next time you're like god that guy's a douchebag <laughs> analyze that i will i will but so, anyway, so, but as, but it, no, it's true. So, so as this relates to Sean, he has the ability to focus for long periods of time to, to dedicate himself to one thing, to, to pay attention to the details. And those are things I'm very, very bad at. And so just, just by being able to, to witness him work and be a part of his show and his company, it, it's, it's helped kind of shore up all, a lot of the shortcomings that I have personally with problems with focus, with problems with shifting from one thing to another too fast, with getting bored really easily. Um, so it, it's, had a, it's had a huge effect on my life. And, and it, it's almost not fair to, to just have to pick one because <laughs> there's, there's so many other shows that have, that have improved I'm my really, life. I'm, I'm, I'm scanning for an example you know, of what, what makes a good podcast for you. So it okay, was a, yeah. a question that isn't a binding contract. <laughs> um, I, 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 as you probably know about me, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts as a general rule. I actually did not know that. I, I don't, I, I sense. only started podcasting because Dan Benjamin asked me and it sounded like a great opportunity <laughs> and I've really enjoyed podcasting. Ah, uh, Yeah. But podcasts in general, I, like I don't, I don't do well listening to anything for more than about ten minutes, and I'm the worst DJ you'll ever meet because I can never finish a song. Um, and bands like Fish, I just, like can't even. I can't even. That's what the kids say, right? Yeah, yeah. I was told even. that anytime you say that's what the kids say, it's very, very likely wrong. Hmm. They might have. The kids might have moved on. Yeah, they always have. So anytime I say that, I'm being slightly sarcastic. Anyway, um, the, however, I recently did a road trip to North Carolina from Minnesota. Yeah. And listened to podcasts almost the whole way because they are excellent for killing time on the road. That's true. Which is part of the reason I don't listen to podcasts because I work from home. Yeah. I live in a town where I can get anywhere in 10 minutes. I don't have the commute time for that. Um, so this gave me the opportunity to really start exploring. I went through about probably 15 different podcasts. Some of them I listened to everything from, uh, you know, a year season, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them I tried one and, and didn't like it. 
So what I what I do in any situation like that is try to figure out what I like about it. I do mm-hmm. that with anytime I see something I like and something I don't like and don't immediately know why, that becomes a mission for me to analyze, figure out scientifically why. Mm. And that's why I ask you what makes a good podcast because I began to put my fingers on the, uh, on the one on the ones that I felt compelled to keep listening to episode after episode trying to figure out why and the best explanation I've come up with so far is that I like things that have okay I'm going to say story and mm-hmm. I don't mean story in the sense of like serial yeah. which was amazing I listened to that whole first season on this road trip Mm-hmm. And it was great, but it wasn't what I consider a podcast. Um, huh. Podcasts seem far more informal and prone to uh, changing every week as far as theme. Yeah. But the there is a story to shows that, you know, they may have a different topic every week, but you, you're learning as much about the host, hosts and or like, host and host co-host or guest as you are about the topic they're talking about and that is a story that that hooks me uh like a a tech news show uh, that's it it, it, it's literally news and i mean you know that Mm, it's there i can read most of that and in most cases reading is easier for me than dedicating an hour to listening so I feel like, and, and, and I'm talking about content, I guess. You're right. You're absolutely right. You're, you could have golden content and then a bunch of audio glitches that make it unlistenable, unlikable. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. But, yeah, I like what you have to say. No, I, I see. I think we're on the same page here because you basically, I, I feel like you like the exact same thing that I do. I just, I said it differently. I said um, people who are authentic and, and share things about themselves but also things that they're really, really passionate about. So it's like both being able to explore the struggles that you're going through and your, your own personal story, but in a way that is valuable to your listener. Yeah. You know, I could kind of hard. I haven't, but I would listen to a podcast that was a single host talking about their own struggles. If it was a struggle I could relate to in any way, I would listen week after week to find out what they had learned and what they had solved. I'm sure those podcasts exist. I haven't looked for them. That that's actually um, that's one of the great things about the Sean West podcast. Sean's been uh, you know he's gone from from independent dude. He used to he used to have a, a web design company with just another guy, a partnership. Transitioned into hand lettering. Transitioned into making an online course that did really well. And then he built a small company, like hired five or six people. Then like learning how to deal with that and the struggles that go along with that. And then we started a podcast network and we, we basically, we talk, we talk about, and I say we, as in us on the network, a couple of us, we talk about everything that we struggle with. And I I do think a lot of, I was talking to him about this and I said, I said, I think a lot of the success we've had is because we are so open and transparent. We try to share things that are valuable to the people that are listening, but we also talk about what we're having a hard time with. Do you find that takes any conscious effort on your part or are you just yeah, naturally definitely. open? No, I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I, I am naturally open. You know, when, when uh, you put out the, the, your casting call for, for this podcast, 
Um, there was there was part of me at first that felt like I wasn't really qualified to be on this show. And even though we we got to hang out at a coffee shop one time when I was in your your state, and we had a good good conversation, I, I still feel like you know it, almost this feeling of of unworthiness and like I don't know if I have anything that his audience will find valuable, and. So, so I can be open about that. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. And I don't know. Ask me that question one more time. Do you have to, let's say, psych yourself up to share something like that? Or do you find it really natural to just say, here's, here's what I'm dealing with? Okay. I think th- for me, it... I don't think I have to psych myself up. I'm also not sure it's completely natural. I, I, I try to look for things that I feel weird about or for things that, that don't come easy or for, for things I'm struggling with. And then I, and then I think, try to think about it and say, okay, if I can share this in a way and, and talk about what I've learned, I think somebody else will find that valuable. So I don't, I, I, maybe it's like partially easy and, and partially not. It, it, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to shape that in a way that someone else would be interested in, I think. So I feel that's a very... I like that you are very intentional about it. I try to I, be. <laughs> I have found... I, I am entirely unintentional about it. I just overshare all the time. <laughs> I will tell you what is wrong with me, what's happened to me, without blinking an eye. And it's not thought through. And sometimes I feel later like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have put that on the internet. But I regularly get emails. And when I say regularly, I mean at least every other day. Mm-hmm. And in some periods after a large share, uh, multiple times a day, um, telling me how brave I am and how much I help somebody. Yeah. And the, the first part of that, the bravery part, I've absolutely, I can't relate to that at all. I feel like other people must be more reserved with that stuff if they think it's brave to to talk about it. For me, it's just foolish, uh, impulsive <laughs> personality. Um, but the second part, the fact that it helps people is very encouraging. Yeah. If me being me can help anybody, uh, that's that's uh, you can put that on my tombstone. <laughs> His foolish, <laughs> impulsive nature helped me with whatever. I'm I'm totally into that. Yeah, well, you, I would love to be a cautionary tale. <laughs> well, maybe that's a maybe that is actually a, a good term to describe what I what I try to do. I you know, uh, <laughs> that's funny. I don't. I see. Here's here's what I think. Um, you said a lot there, and and I want to try to unpack it first. To the bravery aspect, there there are a lot of people who don't talk about things that they're they're struggling with because. You know, I can't. I can't talk for everyone. I can talk about myself because I worry that people will will perceive me as weak or as um, just like, okay, why are you talking about yourself on the internet? <laughs> or why are you like, why why are you even weirded <laughs> well, out? Well, probably about this? because you've thought that about people before who shared yeah. things you weren't interested in. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and so have I. It just doesn't cross my mind in the moment. Right. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I don't feel like you overshare. In fact, I, there's often times where I'm like, oh, I wonder what Brett's up to. And, you know, you, you do do the podcast. But 
a lot of people don't podcast. A lot of people don't write. A lot of people don't make videos because it is, I don't know. Are there, I don't know if there are people out there where it's not scary. It's scary to me. It, it was, it's hard to me. The first two podcasts I ever did were scary. First blog post I ever wrote was scary. And after and that, then, you're just like, here it is. Well, yeah. <laughs> with systematic, like the first time I started talking to a microphone, it wasn't live, but I still had this thought in the back of my head, there are going to be a lot of people listening to this. Yeah. It was on five by five. There was a guaranteed mm. like minimum audience. Yeah. And so that's in my head. If I had like stage fright. I was nervous that went away very quickly. Uh, even doing live shows then, I just stopped. Stop freaking out. They can't see my face. They can't tell if I blush. And if I say something stupid, I quickly learned that, you know, I might get flack for a day, but no one was tearing me apart. Uh, with blogging, uh, I eventually, once I got to blogging on the unofficial Apple weblog, and there were, you know, thousands of people within the first 15 minutes reading an article... And there was open comments. I did get torn apart. I did get eviscerated a few times. And I took it very personally. I have a thin skin part of my part of my personality that I I can control, but I can't I can't stop the immediate reactions that I have. Yeah. Um emotionally anyway. I can stop, you know, writing responses. (laughs) Yeah. But don't don't argue with people on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, one thing I've learned from Merlin for sure. Yeah. But um, I don't. I, I it the fear went away because there were enough. I learned that the silent majority, the people who agree with you or are helped by you, don't feel any need to tell you. <laughs> you know, it's they're true. It's true. they. Well, I mean, if I look at myself, I'm the same way. If if I get good service at a restaurant, I don't consciously realize it. Of course, mm-hmm. if I don't realize it, if everything was so smooth that I didn't even think about it, I will realize that when I go to write the tip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and hmm. and that's fine, but people who are upset by or offended by something you write, they are very vocal. Yeah. And that's true of me as well. I feel the need to let people know, in general, not always, but I feel the need to let people know if something they did was um, offensive. Distasteful. Or, sure. And, or, or even just grant, I correct people's grammar all the time. Uh, It's habitual and it's almost a mental illness in and of itself. Um, And uh, it's in, it's innate to me and I accept it. And when people first started correcting my grammar, I used uh, the Latin term ad nauseum incorrectly once. And I possibly hyperbolically used the term venerable multiple times and um it it was immediate like (laughs) multiple comments would come in and chastise me for it and not always in friendly terms why do you let this guy even write ouch (laughs) for one one error like that and it is it's harsh but i eventually began to mentally think about all the people who are fine with it yeah and all the people that would later say you know you 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 helped me in this area, whether it was SQL queries or ADHD. So yeah, I get the scary part, but I think okay. So back to you, damn it. Um, <laughs> I so it seems to me like you have now 
basically dedicated your voice to helping people who might have something to say, but don't have the tools to do it yet. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. You know, when, when I started, when I started, it was very much, I knew that I wanted to help people make podcasts, even even from, I mean, that's the very first show I ever edited, the, the Shop Talk show, per, edited professionally. It, it came from a desire to improve the quality because I knew they could reach more people. Uh, people would listen to the message, more people would hear it. So from there, it just, it spiraled out. So it was always that, but especially in the past year, I've realized that there's so many amazing people out there that have great things to say and amazing stories, but there's things holding them back, whether it's fear of nobody paying attention or the, the technical limitations of not understanding how microphones and interfaces work and the editing software and then the hosting. Podcasting is still pretty complicated. So part of me just wants to say like, hey, I've done this a lot. It was scary for me when I started. I'm not perfect at it. I'm still actually not even that great at it, I don't think personally. But you can still do it and you should still do it because it's very valuable because you're going to learn a lot from pushing yourself and from trying these new things and from making those mistakes. And people are going to be able to relate to you and you like, you will hear from people, especially if you're intentional about the kind of stuff that you're making and the story that you're telling. So it has kind of almost transitioned into wanting to help more people tell their stories because that's, I mean, it, it changed the course of my life and it led me to a job that I really, really enjoy instead of working at a automotive parts factory, you know, for, yeah. I spent five years in that place and it just gave me a lot of time to think about the future and what kind of work I wanted to do. And yeah, and I, I just, I wasn't happy there. I was always, I was always trying to think about what I could do to get out and find work that I actually enjoyed doing. And so that's, yeah. <laughs> it was working in a printer's bindery. What is uh, where that? I, well, it's the part of a printing operation that like punches holes and adds folds and runs the, uh, machines that process paper after it's printed and it's factory work and no it's, like no thinking at all right r- well no thinking about what you're doing yeah yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but that was the impetus for a lot of thought about what i wanted to be doing crazy so i i get that well and uh, oh god it's crazy I feel like I want to tell you this story but we're also at 45 minutes and we have a lot to cover <laughs> I will I will sum this up. Okay. That process led me to start sneaking back into the design portion of the printer and <laughs> uh start meeting people there and then eventually moved my job over to running backups for them late at night hmm. after hours. And that gave me the opportunity to start working with their machines, learning Photoshop, uh using their very expensive rainbow printers and eventually using those to create a portfolio that would get me into an art school. Um, so I feel like factory jobs are a great job for teenagers who need time <laughs> to figure out what they're going to do. Wasn't it, so, was anyway. it Roderick that said that we should send all the kids to, uh, uh, what did he say? Like to build roads up in Alaska or something? I don't remember. Oh, that guy. My memory has been horrible. 
getting worse, but I'm I'm well, working oh, on that. Well, he he said that on a on a podcast, and you don't listen to podcasts, so I actually do listen to a lot of uh, Roderick on the line. Okay, then I haven't listened to show. is it Roadwork that what's the one Him he's and, doing with yeah it's Dan. Roadwork. I haven't I don't yeah know I haven't listened to that, that yet. But I do I Roderick and Merlin together. It's crazy. Is, it's, yes, it's I, just insanity. I can listen to that for a long time. Um, I would consider that a podcast done right, just getting two personalities together. I think that's kind of subconsciously what I wanted to do with Overtired. I feel like that's working out pretty yeah. well. Um, anyway, okay. So we're at 47 minutes right now, and I have a lot more I want to cover. So we have a couple of choices. We can go long, uh-huh. or we can plan a second episode to follow this one up. What would you prefer? Let's just go long. All right. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. I have hours. It's Sunday right now. Yes. It's Sunday. My wife's out of town. The dogs are quiet. Let's do it. Okay. So the next topic, moving away from this, but I'm sure it will be integrated, mm-hmm. um, would be weight loss and, and a triathlon you committed to. Tell me a little bit about where that all started. Oh, boy. Um <laughs> It, honestly, it all started with a uh, the end of a relationship that happened at the end of December of 2015. Oh my God, I'm going to interrupt already. Did you read the How to Lose Weight by Getting Your Heart Broken? <laughs> yes, I did. Um, okay. I don't know if I I don't remember when that came out, but that that hit a little close to home. Um, okay, please but continue. But it's definitely true. So so I think there are people cope in different ways when they lose somebody they really care about. Some people go crazy and party. Some people like go healthy and work out and, and almost like an F you to their, to their ex. Mm-hmm. Uh, I decided to go that way. I decided to be healthy. So I just started, I started waking up early and running or biking, just exercising, eating healthier just to lose weight. Um, I had a lot of pent up frustration and, and, and anger and, and sadness. Oh, on top. Okay. So on, <laughs> On top of losing this this girl I really cared about at the end of 2015, uh, the month before my dad had passed away, and so there was, you know, I'm 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 old enough to handle, but there's still a lot of emotions. There's still a lot a of lot feels. of grief going on. Yeah, a lot of a lot of grief. A lot of just like, wow, this 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 really sucks. This year turned out kind of terrible. <laughs> so, so I just started exercising as a way to 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 feel better and to get out some of that energy. And it, it led to a lot of great things. And then someone saw me posting pictures of running and bike riding. And they said, what are you doing? Like, are you going to do a triathlon or something? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do a triathlon. <laughs> That's uh, biking, swimming and running, right? Okay, cool. And then, of course, the only triathlon I'd ever heard of was an Ironman. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do an Ironman. And then I looked up what an Ironman was. Do you know what an <laughs> Ironman is, Brett? I do. Okay. I, I, or I, I have watched... And I've had friends compete. I couldn't list the uh, requirements for you right now. but Okay, yes. I will for the listener, since I'm sure they're interested in. It is a 2.4-mile swim, followed by 112 miles on a bike, 112-mile bike ride, followed, say this is all same day, one after the other, followed by a 26.6-mile run, a marathon. So long swim, 100-mile bike ride, marathon, back-to-back. You have to finish within what is it, eighteen hours? It's um, it's grueling. 
it's I, I have insane. It is. It will see. So so I thought so I thought as well until I started reading some books about it and um, and hearing stories from people that have done it. And I realized just it's almost like anything else. You know, I used to think making an online course was was not impossible, but I just it looked it looked magical or like writing an app. You know, it's like, oh, how, how do you even do that? I don't even know where to start with that. Well, it's just a it's a it's just a process like anything else. The people who train for Ironmans, they start off in normal shape or not even good shape. You know, there's 50, 60 year old guys and gals who do this, not in any kind of good physical condition at all. It's just starting with 20 or 30 minutes of exercise and then showing up every day and then, you know, showing up five or six days a week and over the course of of curiosity. Yeah. What's what's the uh, percentage? How would you uh, break age range who actually do this into percentiles? I I don't know because I haven't done that much research on it, but I actually do think it is a little bit more common for people to be in their 30s or 40s. I have no... I have no research or statistics to back that up at all. So someone Me feel either, free to, but feel that free is my to email perception. Brett. Um, <laughs> <laughs> email Brett and tell him that I was wrong or what the real, anyways. But I, but so that so I read this book called um, "You Are an Iron Man." That was actually really great. It just followed five or six different people through their journey, which which again was just like putting ideas into my head. And then I I bought a book that included a 30 week Ironman training. And, and the guy explained it, the coach, this Ironman coach explained it very simply. He said, you start off with this baseline where you're doing about 30 minutes a day, six days a week, which is very doable. And he said, then you just, then you just add 10% to time because you're not training on distance. You're training on time. You add 10% of time every week for four weeks or something. And then on the fourth week you back off. So you're not adding 10%. But by the time that you're, by the time 30 weeks or six months, I think, are done, then you're doing, you know, 10 hour bike rides. You're doing two mile swims. You're doing 20 miles running, you know, it's, and, and I got about, I got about 10 weeks into it before I had to put it on pause to create an online course, shoot video for an online course about podcasting. But I saw the change. I saw like how actually manageable it was. And, oh, this, uh, Brett, this, this, transitions into my next question or my next our <laughs> next topic um the hardest thing about this is not actually the exercise itself the exercise itself was not hard, hard because it was pretty easy at first it's not it's not very intense exercise it's more distance more endurance but the boredom the boredom of being in a pool for 45 minutes um this is something you and i share adhd it's, I want to, after about 30 minutes of swimming in a pool with, with no music, no sound, because I go to my local gym, I want to quit. And there's no reason I want to quit other than I'm just like extremely bored of doing this exact same thing, which is a breaststroke or a, a freestyle stroke. I just, I get so bored. Or you thought of something else you wanted to do after you got immensely yeah. bored with what you were doing. Because <laughs> um, there's so many so, things to do. So did this training process that kind of forced you to focus did that when you went to make your online course did you apply those same kind of uh the you clearly trained your mind to do something that wasn't natural to you yeah did that then translate to your work i i i don't know if it did directly but i think it did indirectly the biggest thing i learned from all of this is 
the value of showing up every day to do something, to commit to show up every day to do something even when you don't feel like it, and then following through even when you don't feel like it. The Yeah, because I really started writing the course at the beginning of the year because we set a deadline, Sean and I, who, who you know I work for, we sat down at a coffee and, and we said, all right, when are we going to do this course thing? Um, he was going to write a book in July. So the guy who, his brother who shoots video for the company wouldn't have anything to do while Sean was writing the book. So Sean said, since this is going to be a video course, um, Corey can come down. That's his brother. Corey can come down or up to your house, or you can come down to our house and you can shoot video during July. So there was a deadline. It was like, all right, I've got, what is that? Seven months from now. I have to have this course finished. So I, I started, like, I just started writing. And I did a little bit for the first five or six months, but about two months before, I realized time was running out. I was like, oh, can I curse on the show? Uh, uh, you can use pseudo curse words. Okay. PG-13. Okay. You can okay. say hell and damn. <laughs> okay, I said shoot. Um, <laughs> shoot, shoot, Brett. It's two gosh months. Darn it. it's, gosh darn it! It's two months away. I like. I oh my gosh! I have so much left to write. I have oh like oh shoot oh shoot like. <laughs> so it got. I'm me, translating really got in me. my head. Don't worry. I'm getting the impact <laughs> of what you're saying. Uh, I it just having that deadline and then running, getting close to running out of time. You know, just like if I if I if I signed up and paid five hundred dollars or whatever it is to do an Ironman next March. I'd start working now, but I guarantee you by January or February, it would be, it would be, I'd have to be intense. I'd have to say, okay, now I really got to focus because this is happening. So that, I mean, I, setting big goals. Yeah. It's like I set a big goal to do an Ironman sometime in either 2017 or 2018. Probably I'll do 2017. Oh boy. Uh, committing publicly to things, but setting <laughs> the deadline that tied into setting the deadline to do this course. Um, yeah, so that was a long way to say that. Yes, it, it, it did help a lot, but, but uh, yeah, I really, to sum it all up, I really learned that committing to showing up every single day and then just taking things one day at a time, like one hour at a time. It's, it's so hard yeah. for me though. It's so hard to not stop doing things. It's running and biking are not so bad because I can listen to podcasts I can switch to music if I don't feel like listening to anything, I can turn off the phone for a couple, you know, but swimming is just, you're in this pool. You're just doing this one thing. I don't know. It's hard sometimes. For the record, I have seen solutions for swimming. <laughs> I could uh, get a like, Bluetooth speaker. Yeah. Or they make some kind of earbuds that you can wear under a swim cap comfortably. If you feel like wearing a swim cap. I'm going to look into that. And then transmit from... You know, you have 33 feet, so you can put something on the edge of the pool. Yeah. I actually, I, I might. not like I a 50 meter that. pool, but anyway. So, anyway. so can, can, can we talk about you again for a second? No, first I want to ask oh, how much dang. weight you've lost. Okay. Um, rough. So when I started, uh, so when I got broken up with, <laughs> I think I was 195, 196 pounds Jeez. and I'm, and I'm sitting at, and I'm 5'11", so that's, I guess that's fairly normal. So, <laughs> so I'll tell you why I'm laughing after you finish. Uh, okay, okay, I I think I know. Um, 
So at, at, at my best, which was July before I, before I put training on pause, I was down to 173. So just over 20 pounds. That's, uh, that's awesome. Thank you. Currently I'm at one, uh, <laughs> 178 or 179. Yeah. Yeah. So my, I'm six foot, which is one inch taller than you. Yeah. My like target weight, according to the charts would be 195. I don't know how my target weight would be the same as your starting weight, but I was up to 240 last year. I've been there. And and I don't think you've been to 240. I've been to 250 at one point when I was 20, 21 or 22. Interesting. I've been cycling, Brett. I started at, yeah, so high school, I was skateboarding, playing drums a lot. That was great, Uh, playing basketball. After I got out of high school... Started uh, started trying out drugs because I was bored. Uh, trying out drinking excessively because I was bored. And oh my god, that's actually I wrote. Okay, we'll talk about that in one second. <laughs> uh, so I got up to two fifty by twenty one. Uh, by twenty two, I, I looked at myself and said, "Oh, this isn't good." Um, got down to one hundred and seventy by the time I was twenty five, and then from twenty seven, I started playing in a band, playing out a lot, uh, doing a little bit of touring got back up to 195 and stayed at 195 for the past couple of years until uh, the beginning of this year when I got back down to this 170s. Uh, well, congratulations. Well, thank you. Hopefully I can hold it this time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they found with the, uh, the people who were on The Biggest Loser first season, Yeah, most of them have returned to their original weight Dang. or heavier. Oh, and th- as a result, they did some studies with these people and others that showed that once you hit a certain weight, your body decides that is your natural weight. And uh, if you uh-oh. lose weight, especially if you lose a drastic amount of weight, the body shuts your metabolism down in an effort to get back, get to, back to what it thinks is a healthy weight. Huh. And it's it becomes... Uh, a nature-based predestination that requires constant work. And like for me, I went from 240, now I'm at 207. Nice. And when I get to 200, that's when I promised myself a couple years ago, if I hit 200, I'm allowed to buy a new mountain bike. Nice. And I am actually in a physical condition at this point that I feel like a mountain bike would be useful to me. Um, I like a nice big fat tire. You've got some Maybe, trails by your house, right? Oh, a ton. Miles of them. Amazing trails through the bluffs, which are basically miniature mountains. They're awesome. It's um, beautiful up there. Yeah. I can't wait. But anyway, um, th- however, the way I've lost weight has been very sustainable. My diet has changed to a point where I don't even like things that are sweetened. Mm. I've come to really enjoy like natural flavors of fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And there are even fruits that are too sweet for me now. So sugar is, is my sugar addiction is broken. And I found during my year without my medication for ADHD, I had to find other ways. And I quickly found ex- I, not quickly enough, but mm-hmm. I found that exercise fixed my concentration for periods of time and my addiction became exercise. And it's not to the point of like obsession 
uh, as I've seen in <laughs> some people I've known who just become so obsessed with bodybuilding that it, it becomes a social impairment. But, um, but to the point where if I don't get out and jog, if I don't get out and bike on my cross trainer that can't go off road, mm-hmm. um, I feel, I feel, I feel bad. Yeah. Like I, I jones for it. And that's a really good place for me to focus my addictive tendencies on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it is sustainable and I can, I can maintain this because the process had become pleasurable enough to me. It used to hurt so much to exercise. Yeah. And there wasn't enough immediate benefit, but now there's like absolutely immediate benefit after every run. I come home and I feel great. I want to work. I get things done. I make money. That's good. Um, so anyway, so this all, congratulations. This all happened. Well, no, congratulations to you, man. Both oh, of us. Well, maybe. thank you. It's a good lifestyle change. It is. Um, so this all happened within the past year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Things were a year ago. I had bad knees. I had uh, no endurance. My back would hurt just bending over to feed the cats. Uh, things were ugly. And so I had to go through some physical therapy to kind of get myself into enough shape to start getting into shape. But you, but you did it. I did. And, and that, that, that makes me really happy, man, because we actually we met for coffee just about a year ago now, I think. I feel like yeah. it was July of last year. I have no memory for chronological events, but yeah, it was <laughs> within that range. Yeah, so I'm I'm just glad you're you're able to take care of yourself and 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 then also that you got all the medication stuff figured out, and that oh, you're yeah. you're back to. So I'm I'm kind of curious about that. I wanted to ask you, unless you wanted to go into something else, I wanted to ask you, like what 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 you felt like when you didn't have the medication you needed and and you were just starting to exercise, but maybe it wasn't enough. Because uh, I'm just I'm curious to hear about your experience with that. I can tell you that pretty quickly. Um, the day they cut my medication, I began feeling desperate hmm. because I had immediate, immediate with, uh, with amphetamines and stimulants there, you take them, they have immediate effect. They're out of your body by the end of the day. Hmm. It's not like medications where you have like a two month ramp up with like antidepressants and mood stabilizers. Yeah. It's immediate. And so the day they cut them, the next day I immediately saw what that was going to do to me. And, um, and that led over a month to a desperation. Hmm. Uh, I need a new doctor. I need to figure this out before things get ugly. And then when that didn't work, it led to depression, like not so much a, uh, despair as a just feeling broken. Hmm. Like I'm not going to get help. I have to figure this out, but I'm not motivated to like, I just want to. I just want to not be here right now. And um, that's not to say suicidal. I am yeah, yeah. not suicidal. But um, And then that brokenness eventually kind of surfaced into a motivation. And uh-huh. that's when I began yoga. That's when I began trying to find... That's, I started meditating. Uh, all these things that people told me they did instead of medication, but I didn't care that much because I had medication. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, trying to figure it out, it was never enough, but I had be, I had accepted that I may not have the option anymore. 
and that uh, that turned into a strong drive and that drive was ended up being beneficial enough that now that I have the medication going on three weeks now I still I, I won't lose all of the life changes I made in the process like I have very carefully I said I only want this much medication I need to keep it I don't want to lose my willingness to exercise things like that so yeah. I've been combining exercise meditation and medication to get back on top so that's how I felt excellent so that's so can so I'm just curious like so can we talk about what you're working on now I'm working on an app called Bitwriter I'm working on getting this podcast and my other podcast back up to full speed I'm working on blogging more I'm working on writing I have a couple books in the wings what? that what? sat stagnant for a while. Books? I'm excited yeah. about this. Yeah, but, you know, basically getting back to all the things that will keep me from having to get a day job. Yeah. And hopefully continuing the life I had before. Good. Well, I'm I'm super excited to hear that everything's getting back on track. Yeah, me too. This okay, so quick. <laughs> I, I had written, listening to you talk earlier in the show... I was hearing all of the things that indicate a potentially addictive personality. Nailed it. <laughs> so I, and, and looking at you now, like I have trouble imagining you as an addict. Well, but I, I definitely see that you have that proclivity. What did they say? Uh, step one of, of understanding you have a problem is admitting that you have a problem or something. Step one of of, of recovery. Of recovery. Yeah, yes, solving yes. The, is admitting that you have the problem. Yeah, it's it's definitely true. It's it's so easy for me to like if if I'm gonna if I'm gonna drink I'm gonna drink I'm gonna be the best at drinking. <laughs> yeah, and that that's well, how you, you have a you have a control <laughs> freak personality. Uh -oh. Like you listen to a podcast and you're analyzing details. You, your favorite podcast is one that you help produce. And this isn't, this is not a criticism. It is an indication though, that you have a personality that likes to be in control. And that is a very common personality trait for addicts. That's, I'm uh, not analyzing you. I'm no, really, no, not. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this new insight. Um, and I'm grateful for some reason. I don't know why. Please continue. <laughs> well, no, I love when things start to make sense. Things about me that I didn't understand. Yes. Yes. Start to, oh, like understanding introversion and extroversion has been huge for me. Yep. And it led to changes in the way that I handle things. So, uh, again, I'm not, uh, this isn't advice. This is <laughs> me making an observation and being curious. So you've been through some kind of, addictive struggles yeah. drugs alcohol maybe obsession with other things yeah it was all those things man um and uh, part of me man <laughs> okay so let's let's just can i be brutally honest but uh ben, please do uh brett it, it's oh, i don't want to give my whole backstory though let's let's just say when i was 17 uh, I had my first love, right? You fall in love with the redhead, and uh, she's beautiful, and you just think it's the greatest thing in the world. Pu sure, it's puppy love. I was a teenager. Teenager. Sure. But I was all in, man. I was like, this is it. This is it. I'm going to do everything. Didn't work out. 
didn't work out just devastated me. Just dev- I didn't know how to cope with that. Uh, we don't we don't even talk about the fact that I come from a large family and I was homeschooled my whole life. We didn't we didn't bring that up. <laughs> there's so much to this story. So there's so much to this story, but but that's but that's the start, right? Like that is when this when this thing that I that I just wanted I just wanted so badly for that relationship to work and it didn't regardless of what I tried um which which makes total sense. Yeah, I want to be in control of this thing. That then it was just like, all right, um, what do I do now? Well, first start smoking cigarettes. Well, that's cool. That's something new. That's something exciting. Um, then it starts smoking pot. Well, this is interesting and it makes me feel chill. Sure. <laughs> uh, so great, start doing that. And then alcohol is kind of fun, right? Nineteen years old, twenty years old. It's like, how much alcohol can I drink? A lot, you know, eighteen shots of Jaeger in forty-five minutes. That's yeah. So <laughs> that is definitely th- those are signs. I feel like you would have been a really good addict for harder drugs. I am scared to death of needles. <laughs> that that makes sense, and that's probably in the long run a very good thing for you. That's a good thing for me, and I also I did spend some time around people who were into meth, and I just did not enjoy those people at all. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're just they're just not they're just not good people and um the reason that I was a really good heroin addict was I it was because of the control I would meter things I would discover my limits I'd push till I found the limit and then learn to get as high as I could without dying and could be very much in control in getting myself to that point. And it was all very, it was controlled. And I didn't die. I cannot say the same for friends of mine. But that con- that control freak personality, I mean, I began, I, uh, my whole life, since I was 12 anyway, chemicals began how I, began to be how I, um, controlled my mood, my the way I felt, the way I saw the world. I used chemicals to augment myself in a very controlled way. Hmm. Um, I'm not saying I didn't, especially with alcohol, I didn't go overboard. I did quite yeah. a bit. Um, alcohol seemed safe enough. Most people don't die from you know blacking out. But at some point, you get too drunk to to drink more. Yeah, but that's where Coke comes in. Uh oh. <laughs> With you, Coke can you can drink twice as much then. <clears throat> I shouldn't tell you that because now if you ever fall back into that, you're like, oh, I know I, what to do. I won't. I won't. <laughs> um, this, see, this is this is something. Uh, I, I just had this thought earlier. We were talking about all this stuff. I, I, it all comes back for me, realizing that there are many ways in which I'm broken, and I'm very, very curious about finding out how I maybe not solve or fix, but just understand and and really just try not to make the same mistakes again. And I think that's part of the reason that I, that you and Merlin both resonated so much with me because you're, you're both very willing to talk about the ways that you're broken and what you've like, what you've had to do to, to try to overcome it. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, it, it all just comes back to me being like, I'm fascinated when someone, like when you point out that, yeah, like I have an addictive personality and, and that's something I'm aware of, but then also I'm a bit of a control freak because this is like, oh, 
this is exciting. Like I'm, I'm someone thinks that they know another way in which I'm not aware that I'm broken, and this is really exciting for me because <laughs> I'm learning. Uh, which I, I can love relate. To do. It sounds it sounds weird, but I can totally relate to that. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, maybe get to the top three picks, should we? <laughs> yeah. Let's. Do we'll, it. we'll do these pretty fast. Okay. I will let you go first, one at a time. Okay. First, I just wanted to say that. Uh, and well. What am I trying to say here? First, Sure Beta 87A microphone. So this is a microphone that I've heard Marco Arman recommend. I picked one up a few months back, and I recently started podcasting with it. I'm podcasting with it right now, and I'm a huge fan of it. For the price, it's $250 new, which is maybe a little bit more than some mics that some people use, but less than some of the mics that some of my friends use and some of the mics that I've owned. But it just it sounds really good. It doesn't pick up a lot of background noise. Um, it, it just raw, it just sounds great. So and you can find sh- deals on that. If you, if you search, uh, either eBay or, uh, what is it? Reverb.com, which is a used, a used store. I buy a lot of stuff from guitarcenter.com, their used section. I think I got this mic for 90 bucks or a hundred bucks and it's great. So sure. Beta 87 a for podcasting. Awesome. I, I, I'm always interested in microphones. I'm still using the C01U Pro from Samson, mm-hmm. which I own. I own a Yeti, a Yeti Pro, uh Rode Podcaster. I like this one better and it's 80 bucks retail price. But yep. yeah, I'm always curious. Plus I tend to give mics away. <laughs> yeah. If I, I don't would... love them, I give them to people who say, Oh, I was thinking about starting a podcast. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Your pick. So my first one's going to be exist.io. Um, it's just called exist, but the URL is exist.io. Uh, I had uh, Bell, Beth Cooper on my show uh, n- not too long ago. We talked about ambiversion, introversion, extroversion. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, she works for a site that... Um, it it tracks all of your various life events. Uh, it integrates with Fitbit, uh, the weather, uh, Last FM, so you can see what music or how much music you listen to, uh, and figure out uh, when you were most productive or whatever your goal is to be. It integrates with uh, like to do lists that can show you how much you accomplished when you listen to this much music and it was this sunny outside and start to really um, analyze your life. This is amazing. I was looking for something exactly like this just a couple of weeks ago. And they just added uh, GitHub integration along with a bunch of others, which for people who program, very handy. You can see how many commits you made on a day when these things happened. And for me, I'm just now getting to a point where this kind of thing is actually useful, where I'm actually, I have things under control and I'm analyzing enough on my own that this information becomes extremely relevant. So that's my first pick. Well done, sir. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm excited about this. I'm going to sign up for this. Okay. My second pick is Deep Work by Cal Newport. This is a, a book about really focus and being intentional about how you spend your time that, that really helped me a lot this year. I got it on audiobook and I've listened to it four times through since the beginning of the year. 
uh, so in about eight months. And it's just, it just really changed the way I think about, about work and about focus and about how I like how planning out a day is actually hour by hour really is actually very, very valuable for someone like me who otherwise very easily falls into, you know, spending too much time on Twitter or on things that aren't really actually that important for my, for my long-term goals. And since I struggle so much with, um, sitting down and working on something challenging, like writing a course or creating a video, it's more than about 30 minutes and my brain goes, you should do something else now. And it's very hard to overcome that. But I found that knowing that I've got the whole day planned out from seven in the morning until six o'clock at night and I've got time for everything. It's like, okay, well, I know I'm going to, I'm going to have time to read later. So let me just stay focused on this thing that I'm doing right now. The book's just full of great advice and and is really a game changer, I think. So deep work. I may have to check that out. I think you'll love it. I've always been intrigued by the idea of that kind of planning, but every time I've tried it, my brain rebels against it. Yes, mine did too. It could be a technique issue. (laughs) Well, uh, it's it's hard to say. Maybe it was something about the way he explained it in his book, or I don't know. Uh, Are you are you a? But you're a bit of a control freak as well. Oh sure. So I think you'll. I don't know. For me, it was like, I don't like anyone else telling me what to do, but I love being able to tell myself what to do. Absolutely. So that's, that's the point of being a control freak <laughs> to be in control. Oh man. All right. So my second pick is going to be launch center pro, which everyone else in the world already uses. I, I don't, but I never, I never got into it until uh, the features they added for iOS 9, which now gives me, I can force touch, I can put the app icon in my dock on my iPhone and I can force touch it and have four distinct actions, which gives me basically an extension to my dock. So now I can open drafts, create a new draft, add a new test to OmniFocus or a new event to Fantastical, all from one button. And it adds a today widget. So at the top of my today uh, view of my notifications, I can have actions and applications that I can quickly access from a dropdown. Predictable list. I like the when you swipe in a spotlight and it suggests apps. I'm kind of amazed with how often that's correct. But this gives me I always know which buttons where. Um, and then additionally, the actual app itself can be extremely handy for as a launcher, which is what it's good at. I'm going to have to check this out because I have been enjoying, so I'm on the, I'm on the iOS 10 beta. I don't know. Is it on iOS nine too, where you pull down and then you get these suggestions for recent apps? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy that now. Yeah. Yeah. There are actually a lot of the features in iOS 10 are kind of brilliant some of them are even things that never existed anywhere else although some of them are things that androids had and anyway yep this show isn't about that androids <laughs> about about the benefits of various operating systems okay. um, <laughs> all right so what's your third third pick i will i will go ahead and say the best self journal and this is a this is a small hardback journal that has like on the left side of the page, hang on, let me grab it. 
I actually want to describe this properly. Okay, so on the left side of the page, it's got the hours of the day listed out. So from, from top to bottom, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, you know, all the way down to 9 at night. Uh, and then it's also got a few other things on the page. On the, on the bottom of the left, uh, if you're looking at this journal when it's open, left side of the page, bottom is this morning I'm grateful for, and it gives you a list of three things to be grateful for. And on the right side, on the, other, the opposite page, it's got goals. So it's got a little section where you can write some goals, long-term or short-term, I guess. I always do long-term. Uh, it's got a little inspirational quote. So this, uh, today's quote, the one, the page I'm open to is the scariest moment is always just before you start by that's Stephen King. Anyways, underneath that, you got today's target. So you got three things you want to get done for the day. There's a section for wins. So you can write down what went great and then also lessons learned. So you can write down what didn't go so great. And then at the bottom of the right hand side of the page is, uh, tonight I am grateful for, and then three things. So I really like this journal. It was especially valuable at the beginning of the year to help me stay focused on the things that I want to get done. And I've, I found that finding things to be grateful for every day has been really, really great for my, for my mood, my mindset. But then also writing down, for some reason, writing down three goals every single day helps me really, really stay focused on them. And for me, it's uh, for a long time now, months and months, it's been... Well, it used to be like finish Ironman, finish this course, uh, lose 20 pounds. But I actually switched it to be verbs, I believe. So now it's like write uh, and then in parentheses, finish course, um, exercise, you know, get in shape yeah. to do the Ironman and then eat healthy. So it's, it, they're just kind of like I just write that down every single day and it helps me stay focused. So I really like that. But today I actually was listening to a podcast, one of the guys on the Re Relay FM, what is it, Canvas? They were talking about OmniFocus again, and I used to be a big OmniFocus user. I kind of got out of it sometime last year, but I wanted to get back into it today. And then I also started playing around with the built-in calendar app on my Mac. Yeah. So I switched to day view, and I realized that it's actually really easy to plan out your day inside of the calendar app. Um, so I don't know. Uh, the the self-journal is kind of expensive. I think it's like 35 bucks, which is kind of ridiculous for what it is, but I also really like it. But um, So I might start doing the daily planning thing and working with OmniFocus and then Calendar. So I do kind of like uh, digital versions of paper projects just because they're so much more malleable. But did you know that... The gratitude list, writing three things you're grateful for is part of every 12-step program. I actually did not know that. <laughs> it is also the greatest thing I got out of 12-step programs Yeah, was the gratitude list. And even if I don't write them every day, I think them. And realizing, like taking a moment to say, what am I grateful for, especially on those days when you're like, uh, everything sucks. I'm not grateful <laughs> for anything. And yeah. forcing yourself to find three things it adds a certain um, humility and purposefulness yes. to every day. And I, it's absolutely, I 100% know how beneficial that can be. Yeah. So check out the, check out the journal. Um, but I would encourage it. It's kind of a system. Like once you, if you read deep work, then you're, you're going to start thinking about how you should intentionally plan out your day. So nice. 
All right. So my last pick is kind of a potentially gross one, ah. <laughs> which I believe this company has handled really well. Okay. Um, you may have seen a YouTube video advertising the Squatty Potty, and the YouTube video focuses on ice cream and unicorns. But what it actually is... Are you okay, Brett? <laughs> Are you yeah, having... So, okay, you're fine? So I've had IBS since college. And I have found ways nutritionally to deal with a certain amount of it. But this is the squatty potty. It's a little thing that goes around your toilet and you can move it forward when you need it. And it puts you in a position that makes the entire bathroom experience much better and more useful. And I will not go into detail, but I will say <laughs> that it is worth the 25 bucks and I I can't imagine anyone not benefiting from it. <laughs> the, the, I don't know what's funnier, the fact that we're talking about this on a podcast or that I actually know what you're talking about and that I've actually read about the benefits of being in a position squatting. Of, <laughs> squatting. <laughs> Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Now, so I guess I'll have to pick one up and <laughs> try it. I swear to God, it's worth it. It's a difficult subject to broach, but people always ask me, "What's that thing around your toilet?" And I'm happy to explain because nothing offends me. Really, it's just um, life. It's just life. <laughs> yeah, and and everyone I talk, everyone I've explained it to is like, "Oh man, no, that makes a lot of sense." Yeah. So we'll leave it at that. I I feel like you're going to have to come back at some point because there are still things that I wrote down. We 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 have much to discuss, but this has been a very good hour and a half here. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, I I will say you're you're you are one of the things I'm grateful for. Ah, thanks. (laughs) Um, so you're on Twitter as podcast dude. The yep at, at the podcast dude. Oh, the podcast, dude. I'm sorry. And then your website is there a the on the website too? Yeah, yeah. I wrote it down wrong. Um, thepodcastdude.com. I actually own podcastdude.com as well. It just redirects. That's just smart. Uh, That's good business. Yep. Is there anywhere else you want to mention, or can everything be found through your website? That's pretty much it. If if you type in Aaron Dowd or the podcast dude, you'll 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 see all the things. I'm 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 mostly active on um on Twitter. And on my podcast. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here, Aaron. Dude, it was it really was an honor to uh, to join the ranks of the people on your esteemed podcast. So looking I'm glad I'm I'll say it again, man. I'm I'm super glad that you're doing better and I'm excited to see all the stuff that you do this year. And I apologize to you and everyone for talking so much about me, but I do blame you partly for that. It was it was actually my plan. I really just wanted to come on <laughs> to hear what you've been up to and how things are going. So did you hear the episode um, featuring or guest? I can't remember how Moises titled it, and it was brilliant. But it was the one where Merlin Mann basically came on and became the host. Yes, and interviewed me. That was great. <laughs> that was great. Well, see, okay, so so here's here's the thing. Uh, if I can be totally honest with you, I I I mean, I love Merlin. I, there's you've had a lot of other great guests on, but I listen to your show because it's you. Because it was like Brett Brett Terpster is doing a podcast. Like I want to hear what Brett Terpster thinks. Um, so I, I I I totally I think a lot of your listeners will appreciate 
you talking a little bit more because I don't know, you're, you're a cool, you're a cool dude. That's, that's all I'll say about that. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. And, uh, that was episode 167 with Aaron Dowd and hopefully I'll be back in one week instead of two. I have a bunch of, uh, of guests lined up. And also as mentioned earlier in the show, there's an open systematic casting call right now where you can just record two minutes of introduction about yourself and upload it. You can find that at brettterpstra.com slash audio drop. There will also be a link in the show notes where you can find a little more out about that. Um, so please, uh, and Aaron, you mentioned that, uh, that you felt like you weren't interesting enough or something to that effect. Yeah. And I hear yeah. that from all kinds of people and that is just not the case. Uh, people are way more interesting than they give themselves credit for. Yes. And I have not yet heard anyone say that who I didn't actually find interesting. So please at least take the chance. Uh, let me hear from you. I, I like I, finding guests I haven't heard of. I give uh, I give the whole experience two thumbs up. And if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I'm not I'm not famous enough to talk to Brett. Did, let me just ask you this. If you have like two or three questions that you want to ask him, <laughs> then then you're good. And and if you have if you're not sure about the whole like microphone and recording thing, uh, shoot me an email, Aaron at the podcast dot com. And I will give you suggestions. I'll I'll see what you have to spend if you need some advice, anything um, more than more than happy. And, and yeah, just 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 go for it. Don't don't talk yourself out of it before you actually get a no. Right on. All right. Well, thanks again, and we'll see everybody in a week.